much You look Polish Got a wicked sense of humor I feel dizzy And I want your touch Let's get tipsy And start a rumor Here. I can't sit still Everybody at this party's got their fingers in the till I bet their parents are ridiculously loaded Let's get moving before I'm loaded The dancers need a dance floor The swingers gotta swing Oh, yeah. Yeah, you like that? What a jam. What a jam. You've been listening to the Joel Plaskett Emergency. You know, one thing that's cool is turning people on to new music. Sometimes I get friends and other people ask me, hey, man, well, who you been listening to? I just stumbled onto this guy, a Canadian dude, Joel Plaskett. Uh, the Joel Plaskett Emergency. And this tune, that tune's called Fashionable People. And uh, we've been uh, jamming a lot of uh, Joel Plaskett at the house, man. And he is, uh, he's awesome. Listen to that jam. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I thought, hey, this is episode 30. We're going to kick it off with a party song, Fashionable People by Joel Plaskett Emergency. Worked for me. Did it work for you? What's going on, Nantucket? How are you? This is Doug Cody. You're listening to Inside the Whale, Nantucket's first podcast. I am doing great. I'm recording this on Wednesday. I just returned from visiting my brother in beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina. Have you ever traveled down that way? Y'all come from down south there. Raleigh is an interesting place. He lives uh, in, in a suburb outside of this area, Cary, North Carolina, or as he referred to it as containment area for relocated Yankees. Uh, everyone's from the north down there, and uh, man, uh, I really have to be honest with you, folks. I appreciate Nantucket even more. The uh, the urban sprawl down there, man, cul-de-sac after cul-de-sac, and they build these big, beautiful houses, but they are packed tight, uh, right on top of each other, man. And it's just a different way to live. And uh, it's the suburban, you know. You pull into your driveway, and your neighbor pulls in the driveway, and you're like, how was your day, Phil? My day was great. Your wife looks pissed. Well, I can tell because she's throwing crap on the front lawn. You know, it's just the urban, uh, suburban, I should say. The suburban lifestyle, you know? And uh, I get it. You know, my brother's got kids, and it is great for kids. And his, uh, his where he lives, has a, a water park. You know, imagine growing up in your neighborhood with a water park and not just some like crappy dinky slide, a full on water park with a lazy river. Come on, man. The lazy river. Awesome. Anyway, we went down there to visit and uh, it was a great visit. But uh, nonetheless, I, I, I have a deeper appreciation for life on Nantucket, I think. And, uh, you know, I didn't uh, we got delayed because of the storm or lack thereof, I should say. But uh you know, either way, it was good to return to Nantucket, and I have to say, on our on our way back, on our flight, was the uh, the Brussels incident was on the plane and uh, sort of spooked me out. We were both a little freaked out, 
And, uh, you know, I can't help but think that, uh, you know, that it just brings up my own feelings about, you know, having lived in New York through 9-11, you know, been so close. It just kind of, it does kind of make you on edge a little bit, especially when you're traveling. We were, I was, we were literally mid-flight watching the news unfold uh, on our JetBlue flight on the TV and a little disconcerting. And then, uh, you know, my, my heart goes out to Brussels and uh, I don't know, I guess it, my heart goes out to the world. This is a really, really difficult time and we're dealing with something that uh, I don't think anyone has an answer for. It, it's so complex and it's just my heart goes out to all the people in Brussels and, you know, we're all affected by it, you know, because you're just stuck dealing with it, especially, you know, when you're sitting there on an airplane and you're watching this and you're just like, holy crap, you know, like this is going on and I'm traveling. I was just in an airport. Uh, you know, it's just, it leaves this little thing in the back of your mind. And maybe I'm a little more sensitive to it because of September 11th. But uh, I don't know. I came home and uh, it's all over the news. You can't avoid it. And uh, I was sitting up last night thinking about it. And I kept wondering, you know, how do we treat or how do you, what is the right path to fight terrorism? You know, do you, is it an eye for an eye? Do you go over there and do you, you know, do the Donald Trump and, you know, you, you fight him with fire, fight fire with fire? I don't know if that's the right answer. I don't, part of me thinks maybe, you know, those kind of people, that's what they would respond to, that kind of energy, that, that brutality, that's all they know. Or do you show them empathy and try and understand? And it, it, the, the issue is so complex. And I, I anyway, I just came to this conclusion last night that the, you know, those guys that are willing to go and just blow themselves up, there's a lack of love and empathy. And this is may seem crazy to you, but I had this feeling that, you know, do they have pets in the Muslim world? Do, do Muslim have, do they have dogs? And so I looked it up and apparently they don't have pets per se. But anyway, where I'm going with this, and you're probably wondering, is that I feel like if you could give these people dogs... Dogs teach us so much. They teach us love. They teach us empathy, patience, all these necessary human components that these people clearly lack. And if you could get them dogs, would that help? I don't know. Is that crazy? Am I crazy for thinking that? I don't know. That was just my idea that getting them pets would help them learn empathy because that's really where it starts. Someone that has love in their heart, someone that has empathy, would never be able to do something like that. So, I don't know. That's that that's, was my thought last night. I, I just was, it was inundated watching CNN and all the news outlets. I was just overwhelmed with it. And you, you sort of just get, I didn't want to go to bed with that in my brain. And I was sitting there, I couldn't sleep last night. And I started thinking about what, what causes it, you know? What brings someone to do something like that? And, you know, I had that idea. Maybe if he gave him dogs, that would help. I don't know, folks, but my heart goes out to Brussels, folks. It's uh, terrorism is real and uh, it affects us all. So, anyway, that being said, folks, here we go. We're gonna change the we're, we'll change the topic. Uh, I just had to get that off my chest. Uh, episode thirty. We're here. I can't believe it. Thirty episodes of Inside the Whale. It seems like yesterday that I started this whole thing. And I couldn't think of a better guest than Susan Witte, 
is my guest today. And some of you might say, who's Susan Witte? And I didn't know her either. I came to her via life insurance. Now, where are you saying, how did, what does life insurance have to do with her? Well, when you sign up for life insurance, you need to have a nurse come that screens you, does all the blood tests and stuff. And Susan came to do the life insurance screening. And it turns out, I found out she was a nurse. And uh, she's one of these women out here that uh, is doing a lot of different things and really exemplifies the, the, the interesting and dynamic people that live out here. You just never know. And it turns out she's a jiu-jitsu therapist and uh, she, lo and behold, does lymph massage therapy, which was relative and interesting to me because I, uh, having had cancer that spread to my lymph nodes in 2013, I, I, I'm just a little bit uh, prone to following that stuff. So the minute she said that she did that therapy, I was interested and wanted to know more. And she really is one of these people that uh, that is living amongst us that really makes the island dynamic. And unfortunately, she's moving, which is sad. And that's something you're going to hear in this conversation uh, that is also an issue on Nantucket, uh, that people um, can't stay here. And that's uh, or make the choice to leave for various reasons. And I'll let the I'll let you guys um, draw your own conclusions. But uh, Susan Whitty was a really uh, fascinating and interesting woman and so cool. I mean, so many different uh, interesting occupations like many of us out here. Uh, you know, she's a nurse, a jujitsu therapist and a massage lymph massage therapist. So uh, so dynamic. It's a great conversation. Anyone with health issues or anyone that. Uh, may be interested in alternative healing, you know, she's certainly knowledgeable and uh, you're going to love this conversation. So I think that's, uh, with that being said, folks, let's do it once again. Episode 30, it's time to go Inside the Whale. Guys, now you might whale. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! Either way, you know, well, did you come across that stuff as a nurse? Mm-hmm. Would you deal with uh, addiction? Um, I was always in um, emergency room or surgical intensive care so that if I'd come across them, they were ODing. Gotcha. And did or didn't make it, or they had suffered some injuries and were in intensive care. Okay. So they, you know, they either die or get better, go away. That's sort of, I've never um, so worked you, you, in the addiction field. But you worked in, the, in an ER? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to go back. Let's, let's, uh, right. let's start from the very beginning there. That's all right. Come on. This is, uh, is for, for people listening, uh, you know. <gasps> The house is busy, but we're trying to get this podcast off. But we're going to do it anyways. Susan Witt, uh, resident nurse, Nantucket native for how many years? 18. 18 years and uh, is going to be moving off the island. Right. So Nantucket is losing its uh, its premier resident nurse. And I, I came to Susan uh, because because of the family, we had to get life insurance. And you do, uh, what is it? How, what is that process called? 
Uh, I'm a paramedical examiner, so um, you can either be a nurse or you could be a venipuncturist. Uh, I do electrocardiograms, blood draws, urine collection, and um, asking the uh, pages and pages of medical questionnaire and putting it down in <laughs> medical terms. It's pretty dense. Right. You know? So you started as a nurse. Where are you originally from? I grew up in Watertown, Massachusetts during the school year, and every summer of my life I spent in a wet bathing suit and a sailboat in Mystic, Connecticut. Mystic, Connecticut, okay. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I guess real briefly, how did you get out to here? <laughs> so, I was uh, uh, a nurse in Washington, D.C., and then I went into sales instead of nursing to meet a different group of people. What kind of sales? Um, advertising sales. Okay. I sold radio commercials. Oh, gotcha. Uh, and then from radio commercials I sold, I got into real estate. <laughs> and, That's quite uh, a stretch. Well, I was calling on a... Well, you're selling something either yeah, way. You're selling, you're selling uh, in real estate, you're not selling bricks and mortar and clapboards, you're selling a dream. <laughs> That's so Id idyllic. Idyllic. It's true. Idyllic. Idyllic. Did I butcher that word? Is it idyllic? You could say idyllic. It's idyllic. Well, you're selling. Or idyllic. You're selling a dream. You're I selling like that. a dream. There's a lot of dreams being sold out here. That's right. But this is sad because you're losing, in some sense, you're losing your dream, and I think it's important to talk about because you moved here to retire. Well, we moved here because my husband had lived here when before we met and married, and um, he loves Nantucket, the um, the golf. The last he lived here in the seventies and eighties and some of the nineties, and then he went away to D.C. and met and married me. And as I often say, I'm the drag ashore by a wash ashore. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, Where's he? Where does he golf? Maya Comet. He golfs or? at Maya Comet and um, often had part-time groundskeeper jobs at Sankety. Gotcha. So he could be an employee and play golf after late in the afternoon. So the idea, though, that you told me was that, that you know this was going to be the place Nantucket was where you're going to. Right. We'd leave feet first. <laughs> <laughs> so and what happened? Explain to us. Well, um, we, both of us, were sort of tired of having to meet the demands of uh, a large mortgage on the house that we, well, first we bought one house and then we fixed it up and parlayed it and um, it had a rental unit and we decided we'd rather not have a rental unit. So we'd buy a small house and fix it up and just be responsible for the payments on our own. And after a while, you know, um, we just said, we're getting older. Phil be 70, I was 68 on my last birthday, and I don't wanna have to work all the time. So um, we're both real estate brokers, and I'm also a nurse, and... It wasn't gonna end. It wasn't gonna end. <laughs> I'd be working until I know, I was I just in think it's important because I think there's other people out here on Nantucket that are in similar similar situations. It's the cost of living, that the lifestyle out here isn't what it used to be. And for people like yourself who are 
in your later years, shall your twilight years? Is that is right? That, the golden are, years. Golden years weren't going to be able to enjoy it as much, right? Because you're finding you were finding yourself having to work, you know, two jobs doing, just keeping the whole thing afloat. Just keeping the whole thing afloat, and um, I. Both Phil and I uh, enjoyed our younger life, and I used to joke um, <laughs> that I would work until I dropped dead, you know, and that was so I didn't work very hard when I was in my 20s and 30s, and um, I always had good jobs. I was never, you know, um, unemployed, but, um, you know, I had a excellent younger life and I figured well I'll just work till I drop and you know that's not so appealing when you're working and you feel like dropping <laughs> yeah. so. well I think the thing too it maybe it is and you can correct me if I'm speaking out of uh, turn but uh, did that Nantucket first becomes when you get into the daily routine of keeping things going out here the summer you know push doing real estate doing your RN stuff you didn't feel so it probably wasn't as relaxing as you thought didn't feel like oh it's much better to come here on a vacation <laughs> than to live here and yeah. work here and you know I was just talking with someone that the, the island really does it, it it functions in excess you know and the work uh it's it's a balance you know yeah. um, so we had a ton of equity in our house um, we had tried to sell the front lot um, and eke out another decade, um, but no one seemed to be uh, nibbling. So maybe the universe had a different plan for us. Uh, that's yeah, how we have to look at it. We put it on the market on December 17th, and on the 18th we had an offer, and two days later we had the offer we wanted. We negotiated the price that we felt you know, was was a little bit fair for everybody <laughs> and uh, closed within two weeks and rented back for four months so that we could leisurely pack, leisurely choose a place to move to. And uh, there isn't anything in Nantucket, um, you know, that uh, we could buy or rent. On to keep you here. To keep you here. <laughs> so uh, Phil wanted to be close enough to the boat so that he can keep one foot in both areas so he can sell real estate here. A lot of the people who buy real estate, you work with over the phone and on the internet for weeks gotcha. and weeks and weeks, and then you arrange a tour for them for two or three days. And we have family that still lives here with a hopefully good guest room. In case Phil <laughs> hint, needs hint, to. <laughs> family members, keep that guest room empty this summer. Well, That'd be I, Chris Witty. So, so n knowing what you know now, tell mm -hmm. me about how you feel about leaving Nantucket, because I think that's an important uh, aspect to your story that people might find interesting. What's it like, considering that you're gonna thinking you're just gonna finish out here and now you're right. not? What's that like? I find it sort of like turning over a new leaf and getting a a, a new chapter. You know, we're gonna be in a, uh, the community of Yarmouth Port bought a lovely antique home on 6A, and we get a chance to explore new restaurants, new neighborhoods, new beaches, and uh, we'll have at least two guest rooms. So if anybody's stuck on the mainland, <laughs> and they knew us 
Well, yeah. no, friends. And if they knew us when we were here, you know, we still have our same cell phone numbers. Well, your, your outlook is very positive. <laughs> I, I think so. I'm I will, so I guess, psyched not to have a mortgage payment. And not to do the, the, the Nantucket shuffle, the on and off. Right. Uh, well... Listen, I think that the island's going to certainly miss you, but let's talk about your your work uh, that you're that that we've been talking about. Um, I should probably preface this too. I don't talk about this a whole lot, but I was diagnosed with cancer in 2013. I had a, a full thyroidectomy, and um, you know, I uh, it's it had spread to my lymph nodes, and um, somehow when Susan was here doing the life insurance thing, she mentioned that she was a lymph lymph massage therapist mm -hmm. and I thought that that was fascinating the minute I heard I'm like that is an interesting job that's got podcasts written all over it and uh, you know I so Susan and I developed a correspondence she's been sort of advising me on things that I need to know about and uh, I thought it's an important topic because cancer is pretty right. pretty rampant so um, talk to us a little bit about what your therapy involves so uh, just as a little bit of background, um, I'm a graduate of St. Elizabeth's Hospital School of Nursing, 1968. And then I went to Newton College of the Sacred Heart where I majored in biology because I was going to become a doctor. But it was the 60s and women's lib hadn't fully taken hold yet. Did you go to Woodstock? <laughs> no, but Phil did. He did? He did. Right on. Yeah. No, I, I was uh, led a very sheltered life. And um, uh, we... How sheltered? We weren't allowed to listen to music uh, while you did your homework. Uh, we had one record player, and I had an allowance. Were parents religious? No, just very conservative. Yankee? Just very conservative Yankees. Yankees, mm -hmm. that kind of Yankee? And my mom's from uh, Nova Scotia. Okay. So she's kind of provincial and Scottish. Gotcha. And um, anyhow, so uh, I wanted to be a doctor, and my guidance counselor at the private girls' school I went to said, go be a nurse and marry a doctor. So I'm like, no, I want to be a doctor. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, I became a nurse, and then I went to Newton College and studied biology and microbiology, and... Uh, then I got tired of that and became an airline stewardess for a very brief period of time. And then... For what airline? American Airlines. Wow. Did you last a year? I did not. They went on strike uh, right That's after I time. graduated. <laughs> and I was in a two-bedroom apartment in Dallas, Texas with seven other girls because we figured we'd never all be in the apartment at the same time right until you until there's a our strike schedule, until there was a strike <laughs> and then you're in dallas texas and if you're from the and, north isn't there such a distinction between northeast versus yes there's a sentimentality for sure between the north northern northeastern people and then midwest and yes texas. i'm a yankee yeah. yeah so anyhow so i um I was engaged to a doctor while I was in American Airlines. Had, so that's a good start. That was a good start for completing my parents' and my guidance counselor's dream. And um, anyway, he wasn't writing to me. And I didn't think he was paying enough attention to me while I was away. So I hightailed it back to Boston. And as it worked out, it didn't work out. And <laughs> I moved to Washington, D.C., where I worked as a nurse in emergency room and intensive care 
And from there, since all I was meeting were firemen, policemen, not that there's anything wrong with them, but other shift workers, you know, it's a little tricky to have a social life. And um, uh, accident victims and knife stab victims and gunshot well, wound victims. Accident in the victims ER. make, make great <laughs> partners. They're so vulnerable. <laughs> It's a great way to develop a relationship. So I started selling uh, advertising. And from selling advertising, I got into real estate. And that's how I met and married Phil some 27 years later when we gotcha. were in our late 40s. So in the meantime, I come to Nantucket as a person who was told, if we move to Nantucket, you won't have to work. Well, you know, I'll support you in the style <laughs> to which you'll need to become accustomed. Little did you know. Little did I know. Well, I worked at the airport very briefly as uh, Well, of course you had airline <laughs> experience. <laughs> I worked at the airport very briefly for Ocean Wings uh when they went to commuter and uh I met a gal who was working for the uh, Colgan Air counter. And I said to her, what do you do? Because this was like a three-hour-a-day job, six days a week. And she said, oh, I'm a Jin Chen Jitsu practitioner. And I said, what, what is that, a martial art? And it's Jin Chen Jitsu. So I said, what's that like? And she said, it's experiential. You'll have to come and have a treatment from me. How much? $75. So I made an appointment, and I went, and I had a Jin Chen Jitsu treatment. And that and what was year is this? 1998. Okay. And I have to just tell you, it is experiential. It works on the invisible anatomical level of the body. Is it like Reiki? It's working with the same energy that people who are familiar with Reiki would know about. Okay. Jin Chin Jitsu is the grandparent of acupuncture. Hmm. So it's a very ancient technique. It has a Japanese name, but its roots are in um, Eastern uh, medicine. And Jin means creator, Shin is the art of, and Jutsu, no, Jutsu is the art of, Shin is the creator, and Jin is man. So it's the art of the creator through compassionate man. And it resonated with me as I had my treatment, and I wanted to learn more about it. Were you it. suffering from things at the time, nope. fatigue or anything nope. like that? No, I wasn't suffering from anything except just general disharmony from everyday tension stresses life. So um, I became a Jin Chen Jitsu student. And, and what does that entail? Um, studying on your own and taking classes. Mm -hmm. um, they're given uh, throughout the world. And I've traveled since through the United States and around uh, the globe taking Jin Chen Jitsu classes. And while I was performing Jin Chen Jitsu on an osteopathically trained manual therapist, he said to me, oh, your touch is so light. You'd be great at lymph drainage. And I said, what's lymph drainage? Oh, my God. This it is... sounds awful. It does. Manual lymph drainage. I'm sure this is going to be a thrilling podcast for people. Let's talk about <laughs> lymph drainage, folks, for the next hour. So it really has nothing to do with drainage. But in Europe, they refer to it as drainage. So it's lymph drainage. It has um, a little more ring to it. It does. It sounds a little more sheesh. Drainage. 
Anyhow, um, I investigated uh, lymph drainage uh, on Google, and I, at the time, had a, a suspicious-looking nodule lump on my mammogram. So I discussed it with my osteopathically trained manual therapist friend, David Young, who used to come here uh, every weekend and stayed at the Witty Wellness Center, which is the studio attached to our house that we just sold. Um, and he would see his clients there. So he said to me, you, you should get some lymph drainage. So he knew a gal over on the Cape. I went, I had three lymph treatments in three days from this gal over on the Cape who was trained as a massage therapist and then became a lymph therapist. And I went back and had a repeat mammogram and the was gone. congestion that was in the lymph area in one of my breasts was completely obliterated. It was just gone. Now, what did the, I'm very curious to know immediately, what's the doctor's take? Because at, at that time, the medical community is very... Uh... Right. So they were like, oh, thank heavens, that went away. You did what? Oh, all right, bye. You know, they're not that interested. The lymph system was first identified in the 17th century during autopsies by grave robbers. They would notice these little tiny microscopic, getting bigger, bigger, bigger. They call them the silent waves of, um, uh, I wonder what they do, was the query back in the 17th century. That's how they got bodies to practice anatomy on. They did, they robbed pauper graves. Wow, in England or where? Everywhere. 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 That's how anatomists got to open people up and look to see yeah, what the I body was made out of. I never thought about yeah. how they actually started doing that until now. It's pretty interesting. Kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, I didn't know. It was very cool. Yeah, they A little graves. dark. How did they start, you know, how did they first learn to do that? Right. Someone had to cut that first body open. Exactly. Right? So um, in the 1930s, Fast forward from the 1700s when it was first identified, but nobody really knew what it was doing. And this is, of course, prior to, you know, Madame Curie and x-rays and then CAT scans and what have you. So there was a physician um, and his wife was a massage therapist in um, uh, Central Europe. His name was uh, Dr. Vodder, V-O-D-D-E-R. Emil Vodder. And so Dr. Vodder studied lymph anatomy uh, and on doing autopsies on patients. And then he uh, helped a surgeon in Germany work on, um, uh, alongside them during the operating theater. You know, if you've seen that TV show, um, that stars Clive Owen. It's either on FX. It takes place at the turn of the century in New York in a oh, hospital. Uh, yeah. Pretty interesting. Is it not called Brooklyn, though? It's, no. It, anyway, the surgeries back then, you know, they were very brutal looking. You know, and then they... Surgery is still brutal. I've had, <laughs> I've had now four surgeries. They're just... 
I'm convinced, I'd love to know your opinion, I'm convinced that the amount of anesthesia that I've had yeah. has had an effect on me. I, I noticed that memory, my, like, my ADD is much worse. Mm-hmm. And after this last surgery that I had, when, they, when I had um, my thyroid removed, I was under anesthesia for about six and a half hours, which is a pretty long, and I, I'm convinced that that had some sort of effect on me. Do you know if that's true? It, uh, it's the riskiest thing about having an operation is receiving the anesthesia. You know, and um, it's It's all sorts of chemicals, chemicals to be processed in and out of your brain, in and out of your liver, in and out of your kidneys. Um, There are some uh, Jinchen Jitsu flows that uh, have been observed to help that detoxification process go more smoothly and go more quickly. My husband just had a med flight off to Boston to Mass General for ruptured appendix. And he was in the OR, supposed to be a 45 minute operation, but it ended up being a little over two hours because they had to do a lot of irrigation. So they put him under using one particular type of anesthetic because it was short duration, but they kept having to give it to him. Gotcha. You know, to keep him under so he wouldn't feel the pain or be aware of it. Um, anyway, uh, I did some, I did Jitsu Jitsu by his bedside for the four days afterwards. And what a perfect, uh, have if you have a, uh, your, your wife's a nurse, she can take care of you. She can be your own, uh, yeah. The surgery stuff is crazy to me though. Just the fact that, you know, I mean, we're taking people's hearts out and you can literally put another heart in there and someone can bounce back. We went and visited my uh, Amy's aunt who had a, you know, she was in the ICU for almost a year <gasps> waiting. For I'm a sorry. Heart. That's like, and she got a heart and she's fine. Wow. It's crazy. I mean, the surgery, uh, the, wh- how far and how fast we've advanced medically is insane. I didn't mean to take your, I just, no, that's, uh, it's, we're talking about anesthesia and surgery and stuff. And I, well, I there, was a, uh, <laughs> there was a, there was a, uh, a, patient in the uh, trauma unit where my husband was medevaced to for his appendix. And uh, the nurses came in and they said, oh, I, you know, well, you haven't voided since your surgery. We could, how much, you know, fluid is in your bladder. They have a machine. It's like a sonogram. But they can measure to the CC how many milliliters of urine is distending your bladder or not i i i had to look it was like amazing I'm wow sure there's, i'm sure there's a bill for that though well <laughs> so, someone invented it I know. and s- stuff that gets sorry okay. um well like nasa and uh, people things that get invented for space not just tang you know, right. juice, Stuff but that things that then have that. Uh, initially have a military use or just a purely space use can uh, revolutionize other industries. Yeah. And so back to my knitting with the, the lymph drainage, um, now oh, with... That was the a tech- great segue, by the way. You, oh. sh- you should do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> was, I am doing one. How smooth was that? Anyway, keep going. Um, 
so now they they know a lot more, they meaning anatomists and physiologists know a lot more about the workings of the lymphatic system. It's a closed system, but it's dependent on the tissues and muscles and blood vessels that surround it to sort of ooch the fluid that's in the cells, in the skin, in the other tissues to sort of unch it back up into the circulatory system. So right. they have a they have a gross and a microscopic anatomy plan now, a blueprint for uh, how the lymph channels collect the lymph fluid and how they return it to the circulatory system. And uh, if you have your left and right lymph nodes removed from your neck, as you said you did from yeah, your thyroid I, My thyroid, they, they took out a surgery. whole bunch on both sides. So now the neck lymphs drain the face and the scalp and the nape of the neck. So what doctors who specialize in lymphatics now understand is that collateral pathways can be reestablished if the lymph node and the collectors that feed the node mm -hmm. uh, are missing now. How is the lymph from that area going to be traveling and taken back to the general circulatory system? They have to establish collateral pathways. You have to understand where the watersheds are. The right chest watersheds to the right axilla. The left chest watersheds to the left axilla. If you have your left breast removed and they take out all the lymph nodes in your left axilla armpit, for those who uh, are more familiar with the you know, common name for it, then you could very easily develop lymphedema. And the lymphedema, they've cured you and saved your life from a disease you could die from, breast cancer. But now they've given you the potential for chronic disease. Mm -hmm. And uh, like a cancer. Or uh, well, the chronic disease is lymphedema. If oh, okay. you use your arm and it blows up and swells, um, because the, there's no way for the lymph channels, no one's reestablished those collateral pathways. It becomes very important for the patient to be thoroughly educated post-breast uh, operations or men with uh, testicular or prostate cancer. Those lymph nodes in the groin, they, the patient can develop lymphedema of the leg and so it's very important to be aware of what the lymph nodes are that were taken out, where they naturally would have watershedded, and how to redirect the path. Because we were talking about it before you turned the microphones on. In um, someone yours or my size, so that's maybe six and a half, seven pints of blood, maybe in my case, five and three quarters to six and a half pints of blood. Of those pints of blood, about 700 milliliters every day is in the form of lymph in the cells mm -hmm. that then on a 24-hour basis gets recirculated back into the circulatory system. So patients need to be aware and to take certain precautions 
about how they use the limb that's been affected by the removal of the lymph nodes. In Europe, uh, and because I suppose that's where Dr. Vodder was first known, and they have a lot of health spas and clinics, mm -hmm. m many more there. We have esthetician spas in the States to, you know, get your eyebrows waxed or right. get, uh, you know, a sort of cleansing massage on your face or a facial. But in Europe, they're more used to doing it for general well-being and general health. So it's not for People cosmetic. People get lymph therapy. Just, People get lymph therapy. Just for like going, routinely. To, get a, going to get a massage. Mm -hmm. And in Canada, uh, where I studied um, my lymph drainage uh, on the Vodder method of lymph drainage, um, I was the, there were two Americans in a class of, two U.S. Americans in a class of, 40 students, and the rest of them were um, massage therapists uh, or physical therapists from various provinces in Canada. People come to get lymphatic therapy at a massage therapist. It's paid for by their health insurance. People go and get a massage once a month, and they may say, I'm starting to feel like maybe the winter's coming along. I you know, have a head cold. So they'll do a, a face had a neck lymph treatment and it can actually and it will stimulate the uh, passage of stagnant yeah, lymph so so the lymph nodes right. are releasing that and they're filtering they're right. just kind of like it's it's like a blockage you're releasing the blockage right. so because the lymph nodes themselves are nothing more than a series of strainers they're filters they're filters like a garbage disposal I have a question for you. I uh, speculate that because after my surgery, they removed a lot of my lymph nodes, I've noticed my tonsils tend to swell up and I have a little more throat discomfort. Do you think, I, I was thinking that because maybe they took so, so many of my lymph nodes out of my neck that some of that, my tonsils pick up more of the load now. Yes, they do, absolutely. Do you think that could be the case? I think that's absolutely the case. And um, I've uh, had several patients over the last few years. Well, I became a lymphatic therapist in 2010, and um, most of my busy work was during the summer because people who've been accustomed to having lymph therapy off-island, if they're summer visitors, they want to maintain and keep up, then they contact the physical therapy department and uh, here at Cottage Hospital and say, I want to maintain my lymph therapy while I'm on Nantucket on vacation for two weeks. Can I please have an appointment? I, I'm and just they'll amazed say, that, that that was even out there, an option out here. You know what I'm, And they would say, oh, we don't have a lymph therapist in the physical therapy department, but we know of one. Mm -hmm. Her name is Susan Bennett Witte, and she's a nurse, and she's trained in Dr. Vodder's lymph therapy Drainage so you would method. see a lot of people during the summer. Out so there. I would see more people during the summer. Um, I've had a couple of patients come to see me, um, and I have a, had a sliding scale um, because because I'm not a nurse practitioner. I can't have a, a provider number. And uh, but you're a resident. You're an RN. I, I'm, I'm a registered nurse. But in order to get an insurance provider number, you have to be a advanced nurse practice 
a nurse practitioner, right. and that's a master's degree in nursing. I have my degrees in biology and holistic studies, uh, but not in nursing. Um, so I can't get a provider number. So I'd have to have them pay me directly, and then they could submit on behalf of their insurance company huh. and get reimbursed. So when you were starting out, what made you choose? How did you decide that lymphatic therapy was going to be what you clearly have a passion for it? I'm always interested in someone that has such a passion for something so specific. Right. Well, was it, through, uh, it was through David Young, the osteopathically trained manual therapist. He said, if there's no lymph therapists on Nantucket, it would be really good for the community for you to do this so that people don't have to travel right. to Boston or to the Cape. Uh, there are three lymphatic therapists on staff at Cape Cod Hospital. Um, there's none in Nantucket. And I... Um, um, uh, I think it's a, a specialty, a subspecialty, yeah. that's becoming a little bit more widely recognized. Um, I lost my train of thought for a minute. I wanted to explain about oh, ah, right. how I became a lymph therapist. Yes. So the Dorothy Egan Foundation here on Nantucket. I don't know anything about the Dorothy Egan Foundation. So. All right, so there's a scholarship annually, the Dorothy Egan Scholarship. She... Um, uh, set it up, her estate set it up after she died. Um, and she provides scholarship funds, I think to the tune of about, maybe it's, uh, they have several thousand dollars a year to give away mm -hmm. to people who apply for the scholarship. And I applied for the Dorothy Egan Scholarship in 2010. And I filled out the a lengthy application and wrote an essay about how I felt that lymph therapy w was important to have here for Nantucket, but that it, one of the reasons that the physical therapists at Nantucket Cottage Hospital don't put this in their bag of tricks is that it can take up to eight weeks of 40 hours a week training to get certified in lymphatic therapy. Mm -hmm. And if you have to go away for six weeks and be in a class that costs thousands of dollars and then pay for your room and board. Yeah, it's just not. It's, uh, you know, yeah. exactly. So uh, they were kind enough to recognize my interest in becoming a lymph therapist and generous enough to award me a portion of one of the scholarships they had in 2010. That's great. And I used the funds to pay for the tuition. And um, I think it was a $5,000 scholarship that I got. And then I paid my own way to Vancouver Island, and I paid my own room and board for six weeks while I became certified in lymphatic therapy. Huh. Um, and so, Arriving back on Nantucket, I spoke to um, the physical therapy department, and I said, you have a resource here now. And they do refer people to me, but they're unable to have enough lymph 
demand to put me on the payroll. On the pay, I got you. So I would see people in my studio, which was eponymously named the Witty Wellness Center. I was going to say, well, that hence, <laughs> hence the realtor's license. <laughs> you know, you have all those, like, many people out here. Yes, you have to. You have to diversify is the word. <laughs> well, and if you have more than one interest, you know, some people just play golf. Some people play golf and tennis and pickleball and no, it's interesting, badminton. You know, a lot and, of people in Nantucket, though, you know, you'll have, you'll see people having a lot of different things going on. Like a summer job and a winter job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, that's just the way, the lay of the land, though. Yeah. You know, it's rare that mo- people have so many varied interests. And that's really why I did this podcast, because there's so many interesting people like yourself who have these interesting jobs that, uh, you know, like serving the community. But now you're going to be gone. So who's going to fill your shoes? Are you going to come back? Um, I'll have a home office at 146 Main Street. Yarmouth Port. Yarmouth Port. <laughs> it's just a, I'll be happy to pick up clients at the boat, <laughs> take them to my witty wellness center and put them back on the boat. Or um, I might get a, a more full-time position at Cape Cod Hospital Cape Cod doing Hospital. lymph work, where, as I said, they have three people there now. So let me ask you this. What is the ideal candidate for lymph, uh, lymph therapy? I think you'd have to be a human, although I can do it on dogs. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm sure dogs are just right. as beneficial of, um, of the I don't know that there is an ideal candidate because I feel as though lymphatic therapy and the jinchen jitsu that I practice um, are things that people should do to take care of themselves. You know, if you twist your ankle... You could get lymph therapy to reduce the swelling and it would help a sprained ankle. If you had um, difficulty sleeping and a lot on your mind, uh, you could have a jinchen jitsu session to uh, promote relaxation and also at the same time work on uh, the lymphatic system to work more efficiently while you're asleep because as I said it's a passive system and it really relies on muscles and blood vessels muscular contractions and the blood vessel um, pulsations to uh, keep the lymph flow moving when your body's stagnant so yoga, all those basic th- like things that you would think of are rarely good for the lymph- lymphatic system. Absolutely. Swimming, yoga, stretching, walking. You just made me want to stretch right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> me too. God, I love a good stretch. Oh, what, are there any foods that are beneficial to the lymphatic system? Is there any, I mean, dietary things that would... Well... I'm not so sure that it would be specific to the lymphatic system, but if you try and avoid acid foods and alkalinize your diet, um, alkalinizing. I I, I didn't, I didn't really do that post cancer, but I know that they, you know, they say balance. Watermelon, cantaloupe, 
Um, I actually invested in a uh, Kangen water. It's not a, a water filter. It's an ionizer, and it changes the pH of the water that we drink. And whether it's the placebo effect or that it's that we drink 9.5 pH water. Uh, Honey, you listen to this? Both Philip. We need to get one of those. Both Philip and I um, make sure we drink a minimum of a liter to two liters of, of ionized water. Ionized nine point pH nine point five water. See, I freak out because my Atomic Golf Course is right there. Yeah. And I worry that our water is. Uh, you know, I could... think Town Water is available to you. No, I think it's uh, we're on a. Um, oh. It's a well. So, I don't know. I'm, we have we have a water filter. We have here. Wanakamet water on Golfview, and I know when the Bartlett's put in their uh, farm stand improvement, they had to have public water so that their sprinkler system would be under the correct amount of pressure for a commercial structure gotcha. to have an automatic sprinkling system. And so Bob Gardner came and met with the yeah. abutters who would be near... I know it's on, um, went down Golfview Drive. It's on Somerset. You could probably speak to them about accessing it here. I would just need to get Nantucket water is so amazingly wonderful. We just have to get ours tested. Yeah. Um, we have a filtration system. But I always wonder about that. But I know that water filtration is, is another benefit having it here. What, is it a, uh, a contraption that goes on your faucet? It is. Uh, it's, uh, we put it in the laundry room so that um, we already had enough stuff in our kitchen counter. But yeah. we'd fill up uh, the bottles that we're going to drink that day. And now that we have a soda stream, we even soda stream Your ionized water. our ionized water for uh, other beverages. But, you know, like everything, they say that the, uh, the CO2 in there is bad for your... De depletes your calcium in your bones or something, right? There's some sort of like statistic about carbonized water. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh. But I do know that Jinchen Jitsu <laughs> can harmonize all of your body functions. And uh, it, it's a domestic art, Jinchen Jitsu, that was uh, in the past passed down from grandmother to grandchildren. But it's an energy thing? Do you actually touch the person? You touch people. And the cool thing about Jinchen Jitsu, from my perspective, is. Because it's a domestic art, it's for people to learn to do on themselves. Mm -hmm. I will say, if you particularly liked the way a particular chef cooked uh, uh, the lamb chops, let's say, uh, you might go there every time you want lamb chops. But it would be better if you learned how to cook lamb chops the way he cooked them. Gotcha. So if you go get a jinjitsu treatment, it takes uh, an hour. Again, I have a sliding scale from free for, oh, I give three free hospice, three free treatments to anybody that hospice palliative care sends me. Which, well, that was another uh, topic right. that we needed to talk about, that you've been doing that out here for a long time. Doing yes, a, a palliative, a palliative care. care volunteering, you doing introducing people to Jin Jin Jitsu, and if after three, uh, complimentary treatments uh, they feel that it resonates with them and they want to continue with it then I have the sliding scale so that people can pay as little as 
$20 for treatment up to sort of the retail price is uh, $110. Would you do it with, on pretty sick people? Like- Absolutely. Uh, you do it on well people or sick people. I like to think of Jinchen Jitsu as house cleaning. So let's just say you have five children and they all play a sport and you don't have a back door. They all come in the front door every day from school, their book bags, their soccer shoes, their knee pads, their hockey sticks, the whole thing. Now you're going to get a telephone call and somebody says, your best friend from high school is driving through town, wants to come by and stop and see you for a half an hour. They'll be there in an hour. You're not going to polish the silver. You're not going to wash your windows. You're going to do the most immediate thing to pick up the front vestibule or maybe gotcha. the Sunday newspapers in the living room. And that's kind of what it is like when you get a Jinchen Jitsu treatment. Every day, life, lifestyle, thoughts, uh, pressures, uh, it can and does affect the flow of energy in your body. You know, Einstein said energy and matter are the same if it's traveling really, really, really fast. That was the two times the speed of light squared. <laughs> e equals MC squared. So your body and my body is energy traveling in a prescribed blueprint, sort of like uh, potholes in the road that occur because the asphalt has been <laughs> undermined because water isn't flowing like it's supposed to flow. Gotcha into the storm sewer. So it gets into the road and it creates a pothole. Disease, dis-ease, that's what disease really is, is uh, not at ease, mm-hmm. right? So disease is that your body's not in harmony. So in Jinchen Jitsu, we work with the channel that the chi, the energy flows in, so that we create a smoother, better channel. It's kind of like fluffing up your gutters, getting the leaves out, uh, making sure your downspout's connected to the splash pan and your basement doesn't get wet. You know, uh, you're not gonna waterproof your basement immediately, but you might move the downspout so that it's actually (laughs) taking the water away from the house. So in Jin Jin Jitsu, you can do the daily janitors, just a well, couple of different energy. flows. Exactly. And it's making the chi travel in the correct pathway. So I agree with you. I think that we, life and our interactions, is, it's about the transfer of energy, good energy and bad energy, which immediately, since as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about Nantucket in itself has a lot of energy shifts between the summer, winter, the, the, it's in a constant state of flux in, in mm-hmm. some ways. So I real I think that all those little idiosyncrasies about Nantucket are the result of that summer push into the island just going through these shifts. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of energy in the summertime that is negative. Well, you know, people are on vacation here, so their energy should be, but. <laughs> more modulated and relaxed, but it isn't. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of shifts of energy. They're crazy on on vacation to have a good time. I'm on vacation. God damn it. I got to get through that intersection or the stop and shop. I've witnessed so many. I want the best tomatoes, you know, right. 
Where do you get them? Well, so I don't know. I just, I think that the energy, I think something like what you do is actually even more important on a place like this. Right. Because there is that shift of energy. There's a big Jin Shin Jitsu community on Nantucket that was developed uh, through this gal, Layla Wafale, who I met that worked at Colgan Air, that got me introduced to it. And is she, she out here? She's uh, left the island a while back and is married now with, I think she lives in a box canyon in Colorado someplace with her fabulously wonderful husband. Well, and I'm sure her energy I think is her, nice and chill. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she, she will do Jin Shin Jitsu f for life because once you get caught by the bug of Jin Shin Jitsu, uh, it, uh, it, why would you never want it? You don't well, always want to do it. Schedule an appointment out before you leave because now I've got the seed planted in. Um, uh, Kathleen Saradellis, who's a hairstylist here um, in Nantucket, right off Tombs Court, she's a Jin Shin Jitsu devotee. Sherry Perlman, uh, Marsha Kodalak. Um, these are. Sherry Perlman is the yoga instructor. She is a yoga instructor and she's also a massage therapist and she's a practitioner of Jin Shin Jitsu. And for example, like Kathleen Saradalis, she was telling us in a Jinchen Jitsu class one time about her nephew, maybe, that had wound up in the emergency room with what they thought was a broken bone. I'm going to not remember if it was his right. leg or his arm, but they was bad weather and it needed to be surgically repaired. So they wanted to wait until the next day to get him up to Boston. Mm-hmm. And Kathleen and um, stayed with her relative in the emergency room, young boy. And young people respond very quickly to Jin Shin Jitsu because they're... No, they're not jaded. Well, and <laughs> their, bodies, their bodies are, are uh, metabolizing things oh, okay. faster. <laughs> so she said that the doctor came in the next day to redo the x-ray to send to Boston. And the break was completely different and had, in fact quite significantly healed to the point where the boy did not need surgery. All right. Now, now okay, I know yeah, it sounds right. crazy, this but sounds like this is a, some hocus pocus here. It sounds like that way, but you know, like miracles, you have to believe. <laughs> miracles happen every day. You skin your knee, it makes a scab, it bleeds, it stops. That's a miracle. That's the body repairing itself. Mm -hmm. And Jitsu Jitsu is the body repairing itself through the loving, caring hands of compassionate man, according to the art that the creator gave us. So that's why it's called the art of the creator through gotcha. compassionate man. And lymphatic therapy is on the next up from invisible layer. It's the microscopic layer of helping the body keep harmonized and return to wellness because our bodies are capable of healing themselves if we don't shovel bad chemicals in our food and <laughs> yeah. drink things that aren't good for us or smoke things that aren't good for us. You know, the body's meant to live. Methuselah, um, I think he lived four or 500 years because they didn't have the everyday stresses and pressures that our civilization has now. Right. Or this island has. <laughs> and this true. island certainly um, 
it it creates its own pressure. Well, that was my point. That's what yeah. I was just trying to say. That the You're right. energy transfer was the that there is a lot to keeping it going out here. You know, I mean, even yourself, you're you're moving off the island. You know, it's just that there's a, an inherent stress in that. You know, so it's uh, this the to maintain uh, an existence out here isn't easy. Right. It's uh, everyone's got to have their their uh, challenges. You know. So stuff like this, like, you know, jiu-jitsu sounds like it could be, you know, depending on who you are or everyone. But how do you get those people to think of that moment where they're like, I could try something like that or I need something like that? Well, you know, a lot of times we're doing jiu-jitsu and we don't even realize it. Now, if you remember um, Johnny Carson's TV show. Mm-hmm. And when he would dress up as Karnak the Magnificent, of course, yeah, yeah. and he'd wear a turban, mm-hmm. and he would take the envelope, the sealed envelope, and he would put it on his forehead, and his hand holding the envelope was touching the temples on both sides of his head. Yeah. So he was doing Jin Chin Jitsu. In a comedic form. <laughs> in a comedic form, he didn't even realize it. Those areas that he was touching are safety energy lock number 20. Number 20 comes into the universe with a number and a vibration. There's 26 pair of safety energy locks. We call them... Okay, there's 26 pair. Now, this is interesting. There's 26 pairs of safety energy locks? Um, the Japanese refer to them as little goddesses, which is, in Japanese, the word kami, K-A-M-I. When Jin Chin Jitsu was brought to the United States shortly after uh, the occupation of Japan by the Americans, or the Allies, I guess, um, uh, she gave it a more westernized name. She called them safety energy locks, like little circuit breakers. Gotcha. Okay. But I'm more of a purist, and I like to think of them as kami, as -hmm. little goddesses. They're your 26 pair of friends. If you need help with something, let's say you were having a crocheting question and you were a beginner crocheter, you knew the lady three doors down was an expert at crocheting. You'd call her or go over to see her and say, I dropped this stitch, can you show me what to do? Mm-hmm. You have a friend, a neighbor who, here in the community on Raceway that's a chef. You know, Al Kovalenchik, you'd say, oh, I'm having a hard time with this gravy I want to make for this particular dish. I know Al, I'll give him a call and ask him what I can do. So you have these friends that have specialized expertise. That's how the body is. It has 26 pair of specialized expertise that have been located, given a number. That number has a vibration the vibration has a meaning. So 20, safety energy lock 20 here at the forehead, is everlasting knowing. So if you ever think, what was the name of that film that was, you know, and you can't, just put your hands on your forehead, take one or two conscious breaths, and you'll remember it. It works like amazingly. The Native Americans, well, they you know, folded their arms across their chest and they were holding their fingertips at the crook of their elbow. That's 19. That's safety energy lock 19, Kami, friend 19. It means leadership and authority, 
power and authority. So when well, they would I was say, just say this body position is very standoffish, if you're a body language expert, you'd say that's that this right. Is, this is a very uh, con confrontational type body position. Well, it, and what they're doing is saying, I'm in charge. You're not. Go away. Moms hold the back of their hips like this. This is wisdom. Oh. Huh. It also is the chiropractor of the body, so that each one of these 26 pair of safety energy locks has a metaphysical meaning. It also has a physical meaning. They call Jinchen Jitsu a physiophilosophy because it's physical and the physical body, it's philosophical and it's also physiological. Well, I just immediately thought your natural instinct is someone when someone's trying to think of something, they tend to scratch their forehead. Right. That's so weird. It is weird, but you're, they're when you're doing. When you think of something, you naturally kind of raise your hand to your forehead and kind of scratch it, like. Oh. And the um, another familiar pose that people do when they're doing jinchen jitsu, but they don't even know it, is called the executive stance. So if you're giving a speech, you might have your arms crossed in front of you fingers of the right hand touching the outer wrist bone. Huh. That's, that's calming and activating emotional stability. Huh. Pinky fingers, holding pinky fingers on stuff's ears. There was a gal who lived here um, in the 90s and the early 2000s. Her name was Anne Larilliard, and she and I did a lot of Jinchen Jitsu practicing on one another. And she and I were on the boat going to a Jinchen Jitsu class off island, and it was the, um, it was the steamship's fast ferry, and one of the engines went out, and, and it was slogging across the sound with a lot of waves, and it, it oh, wow. just turned into sort of a vomit. It was a rough session. It was bad. People were throwing up all over the place. Mm -hmm. And Anne and I were holding our wrists, which is, by the way, where you put those little bands if people get motion, motion sickness. Motion sickness, sure, those little wristbands. They're wrapping it right around that location on where, where that's uh, safety energy lock 17. So Anne and I felt so sad for this one woman. She had two children under three. And she was getting sick. And the babies were throwing up. Ugh. So we grabbed the baby's pinky fingers and said, we know something that can help. Would you be interested in your child not throwing up? They were like, sure, whatever you can do. Take her. So we just grabbed the both babies' pinky fingers. Because there's a, hand, there's a finger uh, that corresponds to each of these safety energy locks. Huh. Um, thumb harmonizes the attitude of worry and you can it's a stomach and spleen energy and the thumb when babies are sucking their thumb they're trying to soothe themselves from the profound insecurity of having a physical body because it's all still so new to them huh. so when they put their finger in their their thumb in their mouth the index finger is the finger you point with. It's the fear finger. Index finger harmonizes the attitude of fear, and it's kidney and bladder energy. The third finger... The middle finger. The middle finger, the kind of terribly common 
Angerfinger. Wait, can I get a picture of that, Susan? It is quite comical. Here it is. Oh, that's great. <laughs> this harmonizes the attitude of, of anger. It's liver and gallbladder. The ring finger, which every culture adorns the ring finger when you're in relationship. Mm -hmm. The ring finger harmonizes the attitude of sadness because supposedly if you're in relationship, you're not sad. Right. But the primary relationship as Jinchinjitsu philosophy teaches, is with the breath. Mm -hmm. I like to explain that um, our inhale is the creator's exhale, our exhale is the creator's inhale, and that's your primary relationship is with the breath. And the pinky finger is the one that you may be like, if you're holding a teacup, you might crook. That's pretense, harmonizing the attitude of pretense laughing on the inside, crying on the outside. So if someone says, I've, and that's small intestine and heart energy. And then the palm surface is umbilicus energy and diaphragm energy. And that's sort of sixth depth. So when people pray. Ah, when you pray, you put your. You yeah, put yeah, your you palms palm. together. You're touching all your fingers. When um, people talk about, oh, it's so surprising that that person is gone now, or they may or may not have um, taken their own life, then they may say, they were always so cheerful, they were always so happy. That's a strain after a while, always being cheerful, always being happy. Laughing right. on the outside, crying right. on the inside. Small intestine is analyzing. Heart is circulatory system mm -hmm. you know it's it's sort of uh, it all makes sense once you understand the components right it's very interesting so, stuff it is cool it is very cool i i'm just uh i'm sad that you're leaving the island you know but uh i just wanted to say thank you for taking the time you're welcome and i hope uh people took something from this i mean you know you're clearly passionate about uh Jitsu and healing energy is really what it's about. <laughs> we have the power to heal ourselves if we just get out of our own way. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard for some people to believe that. And uh, openness, mm -hmm. caring, and love. Love. Love rules. <laughs> All right, Susan, thank you so much. I wish I was at Woodstock. I would have been good there. <laughs> totally. <laughs> thank Thanks. you, Doug. Yeah, great talk. Susan Witty. Oh, gosh. Hang on. Oh, the kid's crying. Hang on, folks. Susan Witty, thank you again. I'll be right back. Hang on. I'm going to click this. God, I'm trying to do the outro here all in the same, all in the same day. And uh, Piper's crying. Hang on. All right. I'm back. I thought I heard. You know what? I'm, I guess I'm hearing things. I'm getting daddier. Daddier when you think you hear him crying. Anyway, Susan Witty, God, the island is going to miss you, Susan. Uh, you know, good luck to you. Um, thank you for taking the time to sit down. That was a great conversation, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. The island will surely miss you. Uh, 
just another example of the interesting people that walk among us, folks. She was a great guest. I can't thank you enough. What an episode 30, folks. Can't believe we did it. It's exciting to think that uh, this thing has grown. I hope you guys are uh, enjoying it as well. Um, I thank all of you that have supported it. Always thanks for the click. It's just really cool. I just was at Stop and Shop and someone stopped me and said, hey, I listened to the podcast. I think it's so great. And it's great. We're doing it together. You know, all of us. It's not just me. It's all the people that participate and all the people that like to listen. And hopefully uh, you take something away from it. That's at the end of the day. You know, that's why I love podcasts. And uh, hopefully you're taking away something from the conversation that maybe either inspires you or maybe changes the way you think. Or uh, I don't know. Maybe you're like uh, the guy's a loser and I'll never listen to his podcast again. Either way, you might learn something. Maybe you learned you didn't like me. I know there's people that probably think I'm a tool, but you know, that's part of life. Listen, you're going to put yourself out there. There's always going to be haters, right? Either way, folks, episode 30, that's it. In the books, again, we're going to take out this episode with the full song. Once again, that uh, artist at the beginning of the episode, Joel Plaskett, Emergency, Canadian songwriter, and just uh, amazing, amazing uh, musician. Check his music out, man. It, it, he's one of those guys, you get down in his rabbit hole and you start listening to... Uh, all the different records he put out and you realize that this guy's got uh he's coming from an interesting place he's a little off kilter uh in the way he writes his lyrics and for me as a musician listening to the way he arranges the songs his his choice of chord progressions and stuff the, the guy's just on it he's a he's an original i'll leave it at that joel if i ever get to meet you i'll give you a high five nice work man all right let's dance folks we'll see you next time For you, do the switcheroo. Switch him, switch him up with me. Leave him in the ditch, and you can hitch a ride for free. The dancers need a dance floor. The swingers gotta swing. Fashionable people doing questionable. Fashionable, fashionable, fashionable people. That's what I'm talking about.